Hello everyone, welcome back to another fireside chat. We had like a small break for a couple of weeks. We had like some some business trips and also the the holidays. So we are now back and we chose a new topic today that is uh, how do we learn best? But before we start, so if you are new to this channel, basically the fireside chat is a is a chat that Nash, myself and uh, Jose we normally used to have uh, after working hours, having a drink, talking about all the things that we like, everything that relates to software craftsmanship, agile, and our jobs in general. And and then at some point we decided to start recording them, and people liked it. So so yeah, so we, we are still doing it. And I would like to say like if you like those chats and if you want to be notified when we are live, please subscribe to the channel and uh, use and also contribute to the discussion. So go to our YouTube channel in the live chat and send messages. There are a few people already there. Hello, everyone. So send, send, share with us your experiences or questions. So we are always monitoring the, the chat and this enriches our conversation as well. So the more of you contributing, the better those conversations are. So, right. So how do we learn best? So this was an su internal suggestion at Kojurans. People wanted to know how like people like us, like in, in leadership positions, how, how do, we, do we learn? Uh, what are the techniques that we use? And one thing that we know for sure, and knowing each other for so long, is that different people learn in different ways, and we learn different things in different ways. And I think that this is what we would like to, to, to talk about today. So guys, like, how do you learn best? Right? Let, let, let's start with this very open-ended question. I don't know, Jose, I think you should go for this one first because you have all the, you are, after all, the, the our head of learning and development. <laughs> well, I don't know if Adrian would agree with that, but, uh, uh, well, uh, I mean, as you said, uh, I, I would say that it's not only that people have preferences, no, some people are more visual learners and, and that kind of thing, but also there are certain uh, content or, or skills or whatever, knowledge, no, that is easier to learn in certain formats, right? Um, and in general, there is this thing called Bloom's Taxonomy. I don't know if you heard about it uh, in the past, but it's basically uh, a study on knowledge, basically, and and how we uh, let's say not only retain but but are able to use knowledge depending on the type of knowledge that it is as well yeah so it's not the same something that is procedural to something that is more a, a, a classification kind of thing no or you you know does this fit this category or not that's one thing versus, you know, this is the step and this is the next step and this is the next step and, and so on, right? Like there are different types of knowledge and different types of, a, let's put it like this, levels of adoption of that knowledge or, or the uh, uh, incorporación, let's say, like, like uh, how you retain that knowledge. And it's basically a structure into a pyramid, right? Where you have things like, you know, being able to recall the knowledge or understand it or, you know, that all the way to you're able to create, 
right? Create on top. You 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 have such a mastery of that knowledge that you're able to create new stuff uh, and evolve. Now, kind of like the Shuhari kind of path to to mastery, right? Like you first practice the thing, then you know you start moving away from that, and then you basically own own the thing or, or shape it to what you want. So this is something that we. We use training, for instance, no? trying to get all the way to the middle of the pyramid, which is usually applying the knowledge. Yeah, And in order to do that, depending on what you're trying to achieve, which levels, there are certain, let's put it like this, verbs of, of you know, call it exercises or approaches to the learning no? that suit better that, that level that you want to get to. Yeah. So, for instance, if you wanted to, sorry if I'm speaking too much, but, but you know, jump in at, at any time. But if you wanted to recall something, maybe using some sort of mnemotechnic resource, like, you know, invest to know what are the characteristics that a good user story needs to have, stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's one. Right? But that doesn't tell you how to create a, a good user story right? or or how to go about that and understand whether out of two user stories, you know, which one is best or which one has problems or which one fits better with context and, and so on. So I guess that it's it's a whole world, no, depending on, on what you're trying to learn and what you're trying to accomplish with the learning. Uh, and based on that, you can tailor that experience. I mean, there, there is a personal thing and there is um, kind of the whole, all these different frameworks and so on, you know, kind of absorb and then kind of, uh, apply and reflect and all these kind of things. There's quite a few few of these. Bloom taxonomy is one of them. There's quite a few of them. But I'll take, I'll tell you my personal approach to learning. And and then I kind of try to make sense of it by reading a lot of it. And that's why I actually even did a talk on it. I don't know if you remember Sandro in SC London a while back. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I can do a shameless plug. It's probably on our, mm. on our YouTube channel. Uh, called nature of learning, but I'll talk about my personal how I used to to learn, especially as a developer. Uh, I was very much into trying things out. I like playing with things, so I was constantly uh, playing with frameworks and languages and katas when that became a thing was also quite quite an interesting thing. I, I like doing them. Actually, I still do. In Clojure, I try to keep myself um, a bit current with at least the main features of the language. And I do katas and so on. And so I think the first thing was this active learning, which I like. I, and even creating small programs, things that I might like. I, that's how I used to learn. And I think especially my programming skills, that's how I used to hone my programming skills. And even and even from a university time, I remember uh, I really liked Linux and I used to, I had wiped my computer off Windows as soon as I got it. And I used to play with these Linux distributions and try to kind of- Compile your own compile my own. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like they literally used to get lots of floppy disks on a magazine and then then put them together and compile them and so on. And that and I think a lot of that is called kind of creative active. So you're kind of creating things and through that you're learning. I, I 
I used to find it very difficult to read documentation and stuff like that about or, or books on programming. Uh, but personally, that's how it started. But I always had a love for books, but I mostly was reading uh, fiction. But at some point, I started reading books about uh, uh, coding and so on. And, and I remember The Pragmatic Programmer was the first book uh, that, oh no, before that, it was a mythical man month that the first book I read, which was like, oh, wow, this is kind of helping me with something. And Pragmatic Programmer was another one that started. And then, th then I started gaining more uh, interest in reading uh, and reading and applying, especially. And then slowly I started gaining more interest in reading a about meta concepts like and more into philosophy and so on and where where i am today is actually more around i do a bit of active learning uh, i like to do conferences and talks once in a while to actually to learn it helps me learn a lot uh, the role that i perform actually makes me learn a lot especially now one of the things i'm doing is around product development and i'm reading a hell of a lot in order to apply it so that's kind of opened up another avenue for me to start learning again, which is really, really interesting. Uh, but I read, I read a lot of like kind of, I've got matter. So every, I go uh, through harvest content from Twitter and other places. And then I put them on, on this, re it's like a read later, it's called matter. And mm -hmm. then I read on that, but I'm always re reading a book as well. <laughs> on some kind of non-fiction thing. And I'm also always reading a fiction book at the same time. <laughs> so the non-fiction kind of reading suffers a bit. But I think now is my, my learning isn't very um, structured. I'm reading a lot, but I think I'm in a fortunate place where uh, my the work that I'm doing also makes me want to read and learn the new stuff that I am actually not good at that I haven't, especially around running a company, around business, around finance, and around kind of like product development, kind of building that out as a commercial service, that side of thing. So, so I know it's a long-winded answer, and I don't really have a structured way of learning, but I, I guess the main thing is two elements. One is the creative active, where I learn through creation, whether that mm -hmm. is a... a a um, talk or a, a service or working for, for the business. I learn a lot through that. And then the other stuff, which is the side, which is kind of a lot of reading around many topics, not necessarily that particular topic, but topics that may help me around that, I think. I think those are the kind of major areas at the moment that I take my learning from. Yeah. So, so um, Bodo uh, mentioned something on the chat uh, that I, I want to cover what, how it works for me as well. But there is some relation to what uh, Bodo Rand uh, wrote. So he said, like, I heard something that you can learn fast under stress and high pressure, but this knowledge and skills uh, won't last that long like the ones learned under other conditions. And if we have an example from our consulting business and if we agree with that statement. So, um, I will once, I'll try to answer you both about also sharing what works for me. So, the, the as Mesh said, aspects of our job now, um, 
are very different from how I started my career. So I think in previous episodes I mentioned one of we talked about I don't know career or shape or something like that. I started my career always wanting to be a eye specialist. So I I decided to learn fewer things but extremely well. And in that way, uh, I had one kind of learning because then there is for me a difference between knowledge and uh, skills. Uh, so, or, or even like, for example, experience, right? So, so you can gain knowledge, but not because that you have the knowledge, you are skilled in that knowledge or you, or you can apply that very well. So, and when you want to become a specialist, uh, you need to get that knowledge, but you need to put a lot of effort in applying that knowledge. So is, there is a learning in how to apply the knowledge, right? So, and that you do mainly for us developers, for example, uh, practicing, writing code, creating pet projects, doing katas and, and working real projects. And, and so you are getting knowledge, but also applying. And, and then that's when you get your wisdom, like from knowledge to wisdom is you start understanding how do I apply that knowledge in which context and so on and so forth, right? So that's when you really master that that kind of uh, knowledge, if you like. Um, but then there are the roles that we perform nowadays, like many people in leadership positions, in management positions and, and stuff like that. You need to be a more generalist. You look after so many different things and you need to understand them to a, some degree so that you can speak to the specialists, right? So... And in that case, so you need to get knowledge, but you don't need necessarily to be, uh, how can I say, experienced or a practitioner and so on and so forth. But you need to understand what is possible, what is not possible, uh, so that you can offer direction and work with experts. So, so that, for me, had a, a different way of learning. And then we get to the, the, the realms of there are things that I know well, that I know that I don't know. Right. So, for example, uh, I I don't know much about well, at least I didn't know much about marketing when we started the company or sales or HR or all the different functions that we have in a company. And over time, you have to learn to some degree so that you can work with the people that are specialized in that. The problem are the things that you don't even know what you don't know. Right. So you want to create a strategy for your company. You want to expand to a new country. You want to create a new, uh, I, I don't know, like a new uh, initiative in your organization. Not all of them you know how to do it. You know what you would like to have. You know what that future could look like, but sometimes you have no clue how to get there. And that for me is uh, a big part of my job nowadays is I know certain things that you would like to achieve, but I don't necessarily know how to get there. And, le and learning those kind of things is very different. So for example, um, Mesh and I, we were having this conversation earlier today. Sometimes you need to interview people. So I say, you know what, we, we would like to have those skills in the company, but how does it look like? What We sometimes don't even know how to write a proper job spec for what we need. And sometimes you say, you know what, why don't we just speak to a few people and see what they do? And, and sometimes, like, if you are not, like, in a different position, you can go for an interview. Or, uh, or you speak to peers. For example, we found that people in other companies with similar positions, they also suffer the same thing. So not long ago, we had dinners with different people from different organizations with similar positions. 
just to share ideas. Similar that we do in a, in, a, in a community, in a tech community among developers, and we were there doing katas and stuff. There are other people in similar positions that also like to go out and have a chat. And, and through those chats, we learn, oh, this is how they're solving that problem and, and so on and so forth. So certain types of knowledge, they're not just easy just to read a book. You really need to speak to people because there are so few people that perform those roles that you need to go out and meet them in person. So, and then just last thing, uh, the going back to what you said, Bodo, like in a consultancy, not only in a consultancy, but any, any kind of job, eventually things will be on fire and you need to react fast. And yes, you are right. I, I agree to some degree with what you said is sometimes when things are, you are under pressure, you end up learning just enough to put up, uh, to put down the fire, right? So, so make sure that, that the problem goes away and you can go back to a like, steady pace. And in that case, you might not absorb the learning. You just like solve the problem because things were on fire. But uh, it, I think I, I kind of agree to, to a good degree that uh, um, you learn in those conditions. You are forced to learn, but not necessarily you will learn what the best way uh, would be. You just you were more focused on solving the problem in, instead of well, internalizing. Learning. One, I, I'm not. I wouldn't 100% agree because uh, because I I mean I, I agree with you by the way, but I. I don't think it's one of the first form ways of one of the worst ways of learning. I think it's probably one of the better ways of learning, because I'll tell you why. A lot of the times we we will read a book, and we think that we we know something, right? Whereas actually, what this thing is is about um, is application first. In fact, there is a book. I think it's mastery. In there, he talks about like when uh, one of the uh, there's someone was. Talk, uh, talking about how to teach people to to climb uh, a wall, yeah, do some rock climbing. And what he says to them is that one of the first things that he does, he doesn't tell them anything about rock climbing. He just puts a harness on them and he says, go okay, climb. climb that wall. Go climb. climb that wall. <laughs> right. He said, because I, I've said many things to them before, nothing goes in until they have learned to fail. Uh, they, they climb the wall, they climb it in whichever shitty way they can. And then when I start telling them things, they start actually understanding more. So I think there is an element in there around application uh, uh, that and kind of stress and high pressure that you know makes you motivated to learn something which can, which is actually some form of applied knowledge. Yeah, but, but, maybe but not would, the healthiest mentally, but no. But this was I would not I would not qualify that uh, in the best way or the worst way to learn. I would mm -hmm. not even I I don't even think that that concept probably. Can would apply. Mm -hmm. I think that when you are under pressure, the goal of learning something is to solve a problem. You have a very clear reason for learning something. You have a, a, an important problem that you need to solve with urgency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and, and for me, this is a condition where you learn. Mm -hmm. But for example, there are many conditions, for example, uh, Match and I, both of us are learning Spanish now, right? So it's not a real necessity. Uh, so we go to Spain and we can get by with using English, uh, or I use my Portuñol and it works fine. Like the, but the, but there is a pleasure in learning a new language. There is a, a pleasure in communicating in a different language. So this one says so. Depending on your objective, I think that your objective 
for what do you want to do with that knowledge, right? Is it to solve a problem? Is it to get a promotion? Is it to change uh, careers? Is it to just pure enjoyment of learning something? For example, I every now and again read something about space and planets and stuff like that. I will do nothing with that knowledge, but it's something that I enjoy doing. So, so this is what I'm saying. I'm not sure if there is a, a, a like is is the best way or or worst way. I think that if you define like, I want to learn. The goal of the learning is to X, and then we can discuss what is the best and, and worst ways to achieve that through knowledge. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I I have a different take on on this stuff because he uh, in his question he's talking about. Um, basically learning in a, a very short amount of time under pressure and so on. And I think there's there's a biological aspect to that and how the memory works in the brain. You have short-term memory, long-term memory, that kind of thing. The stuff that you learn through a longer period of time has more time to get incorporated into long-term memory through sleep and rest and all, all the other things, repetition, because that's kind of like the way that it works. Now, like... Put it in the fast memory, you know, and then if it becomes something that you use a lot, eventually, you know, that gets passed on to you know, the same way that if you don't use it, once it's in the, no, it's more, you, you more don't use it, it's, you, you lose it. No, because it, the brain is constantly cleaning all that up. So basically stuff that you learn really quickly, like when you're starting for exams, no, and you just, you know, I want to go through all of this, uh, the whole topic blah, 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 is, is just so that the next day you can you know, recall, et cetera, et cetera, and, and be able to pass your exam doesn't necessarily mean that you incorporated that into, you know, your, your uh, long-term memory and also absorb the knowledge because there's, an, uh, there's another aspect of, of learning, which is a, the wheel of learning, yeah, which is kind of the cycle that we go through when we're learning, yeah, where you're, you're doing, no, you're reflecting on what you're doing. This is, by the way, why katas work so well because they apply you know, you remember boost taxonomy. It's not only application. You go into analysis. You go into a lot of. Uh, you basically can go all the levels with with a kata, right? Um, so you're doing. You're reflecting. You're connecting to the knowledge that you already have in place about the topic. Or oh yes, this is like in that language, no? Uh, where we used to do this, or is this? Oh yeah, like this other exercise that I did, and, and so on. And then based on that, you decide what to try next. You're going through this cycle, and if you're not going through this reflection phase, you're also not learning. You're constantly doing the same thing. So repetition alone is also not uh, not enough. You can write a lot of code. You know this this whole thing of you know 20 years of developing software, and it's the same year repeated you know 20 times is is kind of what we're talking about here. So there's a uh, you need to go through the the process. Yeah. And at the same time, give enough time so that it, it gets interiorized, interiorized. And it's also easier to interiorize if you're connecting to things that are already in place or things that are novelty because the, the, the brain likes novelty. So, you know, there's, there's, whole, there's a whole bunch of memorization techniques where you're kind of painting pictures and that kind of like leads you to a train of, of, of thought, no, the whole memory palace thing and, and so on, right? Those ideas is how do I make this knowledge stick easier, no? You know, do you know, but there you is one, go yeah, sorry, just one thing to come back on that because uh, like I have, 
I don't know, a thought quite a bit about like, you know, I hear people like use many different systems to maintain what they call knowledge. And I've kind of uh, said to myself, like, I don't have a system for maintaining knowledge. I write stuff down on, on a notebook and then I throw the notebook away or I don't know where I put it. And I very rarely go back on it unless I have to refer to it because someone asked me what was said in the previous meeting. But and, and then I agonized over it. It's like, why am I not maintaining my knowledge that I'm learning? And at some point I decided, like, listen, this is, you know, I don't need to memorize everything. That's not knowledge. Like memorizing things is not, is not knowledge. Like knowing the three, five different or eight different steps in Bloom's taxonomy is not knowledge, right? Knowledge is, is a conceptual model that exists in your head. Right, and it doesn't go go away. You it doesn't come easily, and it doesn't go away easily. Right, there there is this model inside your head that's constantly being built. It comes through reading, and a lot gets lost, but something gets retained. You read that something again, and something else gets retained because your model is already richer, and it enriches that model. But you are the way I see it is that it's all like like Chat GPT kind of generative model inside your head that you are kind of. It's constantly growing, and and what's important is, is what's up there, right? And and the way to kind of make that last is not through memory policies, sorry, Jose, but it's through application and it's through understanding and discussions and constant repetition. And when you're applying those things and when you're doing those things, it kind of stays. I even talked about like half life of these things, right? The more you apply them, the more you discuss them, the more uh kind of the you increase the half-life of those things and the more ingrained they become into your mental model and that's how i see it now i mean i don't agonize over where where am i writing things down or am i saving all the notes from my books and all those things i just think that i think we should just let it go right pick up that book again if it's important again at some point that you read two years ago and stuff like that you know just to repeat but what you're maintaining is in your head Really, most mm-hmm. of the time. But but, but I, I think that there is a, an element of this is what I was saying before. For example, uh, in certain areas of my career or my shape, if you like, I wanted to be an expert, and and in the areas that I wanted to be an expert, I I went really deep, and and I could mention I could mention bits of literature here and there because like this, uh, there is an element. Uh, I'm not in full agreement with what you said, Mesh, but I'm not that far. So I think that is somewhere. I was actually even trying to go to the dictionary and try to find the, the actual definition of knowledge. And there is an element of uh, gaining that knowledge through experience, uh, either through education or, or uh, as you mentioned, uh, but but uh, even if it's theoretical or practical and stuff. But, but there is an element of, like, for example, a knowledgeable person about a subject uh, – an expert, for example, would be able to go very deep. And going very deep would mean giving details of all the research, all the publications that exist, and, and so on and so forth. That I would I would consider an expert. But again, the, I think that there is a different question is, do we need to be an expert in every, in every aspect? And I think that the answer is no. It's, for example, um, mainly for the work that we do, like you need to have a good awareness that certain things exist so that when we actually need to use them in, 
to a certain degree, then you can go and research. So that's the, the, the difference also maybe like from, I don't know, deep expertise to uh, awareness, right? So you, most of the, we need to be aware of a lot of stuff that is out there and then go deep when we need. This is probably uh, a more healthier way or, or more aligned to the kind of roles that we perform today, for example, given and, the amount of... Uh, and work. also by, by doing things like taking notes or creating a mind map or a summary or whatever, you're forcing yourself to really connect th that information that you just, you know, for going from recalling to summarizing, to connecting to other concepts that you have in mind. Therefore, you can kind of abstract away all the, the stuff that you read, let's put it like that, and, and just keep the the stuff that is important, so to speak, or at least is, is worth remembering. And that exercise in, it, in itself has value because you are kind of forcing you to go through and do that uh, Summarization, no, in a way, which is someone in the in the chat was saying like knowing which book to look at because you've heard that it's already you know better than not knowing at all, right? Like it's that's yeah. kind of the thing. No, it's no, like, no, oh sorry, yeah, I, I remember there was something about this, and then you go and you know you go deeper into what you need to know. So so sorry. So so I I think maybe I should qualify what what I meant, right? So when I read a book, for example. I, I have a method for reading a book. It's, if it's a non-fiction book, can you hear me okay? Yeah. 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 If it's if it's, it's a, a non-fiction, okay. yeah. If it's a non-fiction book, I have a method which is that I look at the contents and then I I skim it, and then I go back and I read it properly, and then I go back and I look at the contents and I skim it again, and then I think about some things and I write it down. I'm never gonna go back to it, but. It's the reflection part and so on, just to understand if I've got the concept. And I love it when the book has at the end of each chapter, like a few bullet points and so on to help me reflect the chapter back. So there is this immediate learning kind of loops that you do, right? Uh, but uh, what I don't like a few times, I've had some recent conversations as well, where people are agonizing about keeping like this knowledge base every single, of yeah, everything yeah. throughout their life and so on. And I find it unwieldy. I mean, how are you going to get back to this? I mean, you know, like you talked about keeping a mind map and so on. Yes, of course, like some of the work that we do, I've got a mind map about the product development work I'm doing and so on. Of course, but that's, again, work in progress that is moving towards something and not mm -hmm. just an inert thing, a database of what I'm keeping behind me, you know, if, if you know what. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And I have a friend, I have a friend who's really good at using, you know, the Celtocastin, Celtocastin, I think it's called method, right? This whole idea of, you know, you summarize a thing and then you connect it and basically create this graph of knowledge. Right? Yes. And yes. then you can search the graph and you can do, and there's a bunch of tools uh, like Obsidian, if you go to Obsidian MD, I think it's called or whatever, that help you no with with this kind of uh and techniques. log seek no, as well i think there's one called log exactly seek. The, the idea of okay you so you you're creating these concepts etc and that that i think you know like a mind map works great for you know you're trying to understand the the it's like basically building a mind map but instead of building it in miro now you're using this other tool and then is there and then you can search it and you can do all the stuff with it right like i i have nothing against that and i no. i know one guy 
Paulo, Paulo uh, Domingo, he's really good at maintaining his, uh, his thing. So this is a guy that you can basically have a conversation with him about anything and he'll be able to tell you, oh, you know, yeah, wait one second. And, you know, pinpoint, oh yeah, this uh, thing and this is where I saw it or this is the, and that in itself, you know, if you're then using that to, I don't know, generate content, write a book, prepare a talk, etc. I find helpful the same way that, you know, you, you would have to create the mind map from what you get in your, in your head. So mm-hmm. I see value in it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't expect that to be all the knowledge. Like it's basically a, a, a storage outside <laughs> my head no? yeah. that I can then kind of rely on if I need to. But you need certain discipline to, to kind of keep that updated, keep, you know, and, and, and maintain it, which I don't, I personally don't have. I've tried. I see the value I've tried and I don't have the discipline. Exactly. <laughs> I think that there are, there are uh, two, uh, two things that I would like you to add. Uh, one is about uh, Herman. I think Fear about the, the, the right. Uh, so Herman said, like, joining Codutants, you must learn to learn. Is, is, that, is that way? Is it that way? Uh, like if you are not used to learning, you will need to develop that trait. So uh, in, in this point, uh, Herman, so this is not only about Codunus. Codunus is like that, uh, but this is uh, companies like cons- consultancy companies in general has a massive element of learning because you never know what your next project will be. So when you are hired by a consultancy, and co- of course, Codunus is like that, but uh it comes with the territory that we are in. When we hire someone, we don't hire someone, for example, I want a Java developer that knows Spring to go to this specific project. We hire a consultant, a, a good professional, and we have absolutely no clue most of the time which projects this person is going to be working on. And it, it might not even be Java and Spring. It might be something completely different, right? So... So being in a consultant means that you never know what's going next. And we are going to move from client to client, from project to project, from different environments, different industries, different technologies. And it comes with the territory of you have to learn. Otherwise, yeah. you cannot survive. It's, it will be very difficult to progress in a consultancy if you are not able to learn fast and be very flexible with what you learn. But again... I, 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 I I would I would say that not just consultancy but our other fields as well but our field in general right mm-hmm. there are people you can get by you can get by by knowing one language doing one thing over and over again and you will get very good at it and you'll make good money and you can have a probably a lifestyle but, yeah you can specialize yeah. in Java or AWS or some Terraform yeah but or even then or even SAP then, yeah. yeah, SAP. Maybe SAP. You could you could not learn. But even like for example, Java or AWS. You know, there's a new AWS service every week. You're not gonna. You can't just stand still. Uh, you will stagnate very quickly. And our industry moves very very fast. So I think what you said, Sandro, is not doesn't just apply to consultancy. I think it's more prominent, more important. Right. But it it like in within this industry, if you are not learning then uh, you, you you have to keep up to date to, to stand still. As you know, so you have to 
to kind of if you're not getting better you're getting worse kind of thing no exactly (laughs) Exactly. yeah if you if you're not learning you're getting worse definitely if you're learning you might be standing where you are (laughs) at at worst you know and i think it's very important because our our there are a bunch of things in our profession that make learning so important one is of course the the level at which it evolves right it's evolving constantly it is a kind of more of a research thing that we do than than like a repeatable thing that we do. So there are there is a huge scope just within the solution space, and then there is the problem space because every time we change a project, change especially in consultancy, but even our normal career, we are moving into new domains that we have to learn. So so we are we have to become professional learners basically. You know, and then, then, then you get to the. I think that this, this is the, the the second point that I wanted to make. Like, it's still uh, within the Herman uh, question. So you know, uh, Herman, like uh, there was a, a a joke. No, not a joke. It was actually a, a thing in Cogitance many years ago. Because you in your question you said like you must learn to learn, which is true. But like we had the, something very specific that we used to say. Uh, you need to read books, but first you need to learn how to read. And, and in the early days of Cogerence, I remember there was a year that it was, we were talking a lot about speed reading. Speed reading became a, a fever in Cogerence. Like everyone was talking about that. And, and because we were talking exactly that. So it was the first book would recommend to everyone. Just like first come in, read speed reading. Exactly. <laughs> if you want to start reading books, learn how to read first. And then yeah. this is where so speed reading is key. Because and that's when you start learning that there is a massive difference between learning uh for pleasure and learning to get knowledge. Or reading for pleasure, you mean. Yeah, sorry, yeah. not learning, sorry, yes. <laughs> reading for pleasure and reading for uh, for knowledge. So when you are doing things for work, and that also goes back to what Bodo was saying, so you have certain things that you need to solve, you have a new project, you have a new client, you know, new technology and stuff. So you, you need to acquire that knowledge as fast as possible. So you need to read as fast as possible. And, and you cannot read every single semicolon or column that you have in a book. So Mesh was mentioning a few techniques in how to speed read and stuff. So learning how to read for knowledge is extremely important. Re- reading for pleasure. I, I like Mesh and Jose as well. We, we, the three of us, we love uh, fantasy books. They tend to be very thick and long books. But then you read for pleasure. Then I like to read every single word. I like to see how the author is uh, writing the story and shaping the characters. But that's pleasure. Reading for for knowledge, but you know, like a lot of the times, one of the things I think maybe it's a misnomer. Like speed reading is a mode, right? So the book called I think it's called the Speed Reading Bible. Mm-hmm. It talks mm-hmm. about different modes of reading, and one of the things in there is that it's not that you kind of like there is kind of techniques on skimming and all sorts of things, but actually it's more about understanding understanding the whole concept of the book because normally they have they have a story to tell they have a structure and and you have to kind of look at the structure holistically go deep and then come back up and kind of go back to understand so that you kind of understanding the mental model that the author is trying to project and so it it's not just about reading quickly it's actually about reading 
so that you can re- it's it's about adding that reflection element to it there is uh, a and kind of repetition element to so, it so so unless you are uh, reading something like the black swan or something like that where he purposely change the titles of the chapters not to mean <laughs> you know like because normally you would have that structure that you're talking about where you know chapter one introduction the chapter two oh so yeah. i know i need to read this chapter and then skip whatever well, right? certain but, books if, but if you have like you know yeah well fiction books are, fiction every... books are normally like you know chapter one chapter two chapter exactly. three exactly. there's not <laughs> even a clue about what it, the chapter is you know what? Uh, and another thing that uh, uh, to go back to your point there, which is, and this is something I was talking about uh, today as well, is the whole learning credibility tension, right? As a consultant going into a company, you're normally facing this tension where you, you know, there's certain expectations that you need to meet, there's certain challenges that you need to face, you no? Know? And at the same time, you are learning. Because, you know, this is the first time that you're at this company. Maybe you don't know the domain. Maybe you don't know the technology. Maybe, you know, like maybe this is a problem you haven't seen before. You know, like all these things are happening at the same time. But there are expectations around your competence, right? So if you're constantly asking uh, people questions to to understand, then, you know, you could uh, put that into question, No. Uh, there's a there's an aspect of uh, acceptance as well. No, do they, you know, do do they see me as part of? Do they do they understand that I understand, or at least can I communicate with them? No, and and you know, not be seen as a as a threat. There is the productivity aspect as well because you're coming in. Maybe this is the first time that you're doing that, but you know, I'm paying for you, so I expect you to start delivering value from minute one, right? So all of those things are there and they're, they're adding to the pressure of the learning that you need to do, which is very different from, you know, I'm gonna have a pet project at home and I'm gonna learn how to use, I don't know, chat GPT and whatever, right? That's not, um, is not the same, right? And- yeah, but, No, sorry, yeah. I thought, no, 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 sorry, I thought you were finished. No, and, and one of the things that you had, you know, there, there are different mechanisms to, to deal with this stuff, but one of them is, you know, you need to catch up quickly on that context, right? So you may be reading lots and lots of information and being, you know, and being able to sift through a lot of information and understand what are the key points and understand what are the things that you kind of can use from that or what are what are the patterns and so on. It's a skill. It's a it's a survival skill in that in that uh, in that sense, right? So yeah, I just wanted to add to that because there is that pressure as well, the, depending on the type of work. No? I think a lot. Sorry, go on, Sandro. Sorry. No, there was just just one thing that uh, I would uh, add is because most of the things that we've been talking about now, they are about us learning from things that already exist. Yeah. But but I was reflecting, for example. There is, this is for me the, the, the difference between almost like knowledge and wisdom uh, in a way. I'm, I was actually looking for us another word that is neither knowledge or wisdom. Uh, it, skill. It, it, there is skill, there is experience, there is like uh, proficiency, there are other things and intelligence even. Uh, the, but, but it was something else. But, but for example, what I wanted to say is I... I well, I'll speak for myself. I don't want to say that 
other people are a lot like me, but the, the for example, I, I sometimes, I need time for myself. Because one thing is to, I need to know, I need to have knowledge of what is out there, right? So, and that's when you do your research, you do, either you speak to some people, or you read some books or blogs or whatever else, watch some videos, conferences, whatever else, right? So, but quite often, I need to take, I need to create a solution to the problem that I have. Not only the problem, but sometimes I want to innovate. For example, you are running a company and you want to innovate. You want to put structures in place. You want to create new initiatives and stuff like that. So you need, uh, you need some foundation to, to innovate, to do the thing that you want to do. And that foundation is knowledge. You go out there, you see what is out there and stuff. But there is a, a creative process that happens on top of that. And this is also learning, but it's a new learning. It, it, it's when you are, for example, you say like, I, I understand all of that, but I would like to achieve X. And I now I need time to digest all of that. And quite often, for example, when I was writing a book or articles or conference talks, we were creating new content. We were, we were taking knowledge that exists but we are also creating on top. And that creation process is also a, 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 a learning process. And, and I, I am the type of person that uh, I need to start visualizing things. I need to start writing things down when I'm in the, this creative mode. I need to start putting pieces and then start seeing the, 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 the jigsaw and say, okay, this might connect to this, this might make the sense. The matrix, seeing yeah. the matrix. So, but, but, but I think that... Uh, one thing that we need to be careful sometimes is uh, we need to be aware of what is out there. But we also need to be careful not to be limited by it because otherwise we never innovate. So the, the real innovators, the people that really push the boundaries, take our industry forward, they are creating on top. It's, it's uh, in fact, this is talked about at length in uh, Robert Greene's mastery book, by the way. Um, and I think in other places it's called like creative active mode. And that's what I was actually talking about. Cause I, for me, like the only real way to learn is when you, you creating, you building something and so on. And they, you, you know, you, and this, the book is called mastery. And this is the last step of mastery where you are creating knowledge on top of the existing knowledge. And often that is related to the knowledge that you have gathered plus the experiences that you've gathered. And another element that he actually talks about is that knowledge of uh, adjacent fields. So that, so actually it's the combination of adjacent cross fields. Cross-pollination. Cross that helps you actually innovate and create new knowledge. Uh, I mean, of course, there are elements where you can create and innovate from the existing, but that is, then you are in savant mode. You know, that's like rare and and, you know, not very, uh, not a lot of people can do that. But this kind of taking adjacent modes, taking uh, ideas and aspects from different disciplines, and seeing how they apply in the in your discipline, that actually helps you create more knowledge and and um, or give you a different perspective uh, on things, right? Like, yeah, and, and experiences. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, because th this is the thing. Like, so when I. When I try to learn, I learn, but always to serve as a foundation for what I need. I don't take anything that is out there for granted. 
right? So for example, just it's not just because someone wrote a book that that is that this person now is an authority of that. It's different, like if this person is talking about math and very some 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 uh, scientific experiment that can be replicated and so on and so forth. Then you can say, okay, this works because this person proved this way. If you do this, this other thing will happen. But but most of the things that we do is like, how do we create this software? How are we going to run this project? How are we going to create a strategy for this company? Those things don't have a recipe. What no. you have is you have a, a collection of experiences, both from uh, other people doing stuff or your own experiences or different techniques and technologies and so on and so forth. But every project, every company, every strategy that you create has its degree of uniqueness. And so, so every every time that you read something and you speak to people, and I use it as a foundation, but I don't don't treat anything as okay. This is how we do. So, and with that foundation, so you now I'm gonna create on top. Now I'm gonna take that knowledge that I now have, or that awareness, if you like, that I now have that that those things exist or those problems were solved in all those different ways. But now I need my own time on my own, sometimes maybe like with another person or two, depending on what, or like we do that all the time between the, the three of us, for example, sometimes we, we, we bounce ideas with each other, but then there is that creative process. And then that's where there is learning, but it's quite an inno innovative learning. Like you are pushing the boundaries. We are breaking new ground. It, it might not need, might not be massive, like take the industry to the next level, but it might be that unique thing that you are creating for that specific situation. So you know what I'm saying? So I think that, that is quite a yeah, thing. I'm, I'm going to move on to more on the, uh, on the point of, you know, the, the knowledge and innovation and uh, learning from other fields as well. And they can, this kind of stuff, because if we're talking about what kind of things I do in order to learn, I'm always looking for new ideas or new inputs. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, and I may look to, you know, biology or medicine or uh, AI or whatever, right? Like the, whatever field something is happening in, and I would read it and I'll, and I'll find more about it beyond the article in, you know, Forbes or whatever you, whatever you're reading, no? And, the more you do that, the the richer it becomes because there's one uh, risk that you take, which is to become kind of isolated, right? Like you, you think you've learned everything. Now you mastered the the thing. Like you, you more and more. I need. I, I find myself trying to, you know, go outside of what I already know or I already have some idea about, and so on, and and bring those concepts in and seeing, you know, connecting them and, and that kind of stuff. So I, I think that is something that I, I try to do. And for this, the things like, you know, yes, blogs, news, etc. Yeah, I also uh, I also look a lot of paper, look at papers, basically. <laughs> like I go through the route. Like we are at a point. This, this is another thing I want to say. Like we are at a point where. The types of problems that we deal with, there are no books written about them. Like not not a lot of the problems that we're trying to solve are kind of being so explored that someone deem it necessary to write a book about it and so on. If that's the case, most likely, you know, 
The big problem, there's a lot of material you can probably dig into that. And also, if you have to wait until the book comes out, books are great to give you the foundation, especially if it's an explore problem. But when you're already on the fringe or dealing with novel concepts, you can't wait until a book comes out. So I find myself reading a lot of papers on stuff. Like if I go, I read an article and someone says, oh, in this research, you know, uh, uh, MIT scientists uh, uh, took AI. And it, okay, so that's that informative kind of divulgative uh, kind of thing, you know, that the article is, uh, and, okay, I'm, I'm interested, this is an interesting idea. Where is the paper, right? Can I look for, you know, what are the references that they have? What are, and then I go and read the paper, and then most likely I may even look into some of the reference that the paper uh, makes uh, uh, and so on. And this is kind of a great way to speed up that learning because when you buy a book, it's 300 pages. Many of those books have maybe, you know, two, three ideas that you can take away and then from. Adding. Repetition grows because they try to they try to drive it home, but mostly it's it's opinion. It's opinion yeah. based on some kernel but, of But it's idea. fine, it's fine, and that's good. And if you have the time to do that, that's great. But I cannot, you know, I I already have limited time for that. So I'd rather go to you know the paper, right? And if you and you look at things like transformation, etc. Cetera, etc., cetera, right? Like uh, people like Cotter, no, John P. Cotter, leading change, etc. A lot of the stuff comes from papers that he wrote from the, you know, for the Harvard Business Review. And then you can always go to a book and, you know, see on more of the stuff, et cetera, but you can do that, right? One one way that I used to speed up that is like the Harvard Business Review has like the 10 best articles on management, the 10 best articles I would go. Okay, so what are the 10 best articles on this thing? I would read those. They A lot of the times they were about unrelated stuff, yeah? But that already gave you an idea of, okay, so this is interesting. I want to look more into it. Let me see what else this person wrote about. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, then you go and see that they have one book or two books, uh, or they wrote another paper, or then they switch to another uh, topic that is related to that topic, but is an uh, incident. Uh, so I try to do that. Like I, I read a lot of uh, uh, papers or watch videos of people that read papers and summarize them as well. That's the best. I love uh, that. So, <laughs> yeah. so again, it's about getting new ideas, getting uh, new inputs, etc., and trying to optimize. No, And if something is interesting, dig into it. Now, nobody's saying that you need to stay at a superficial level, right? Um, but if you find something, then you decide consciously that you're going to invest the time on, on learning. That's, that's the way that I approach that. Yeah. I like the idea. I've I've read a few, I've followed a few podcasts where someone talks in depth about a particular topic. Um, for example, this one was on functional programming. And it's a very in-depth, because the guy was writing a book on functional programming. And he was just digging, digging, digging into a lot of material and creating podcasts just for his own, to, to build his own knowledge so he can write the book. And this, I, I remember he was going through this podcast for two years. And of course, like every week I would listen to it because he was, yeah, he was doing exactly that. He was digging into papers, he was digging into research and all sorts of things just to get, gain his own knowledge. But that actually was, you were just following along in his process, which was, which was brilliant. And a lot of these papers often, they are difficult to read. 
they're not they're, there's a lot of academic pro uh, kind of approach in it you know and you you do have to you do have to kind of sift through it and if someone can summarize it and tell you the kind of main aspects of it it's actually even easier <laughs> and now yeah, we have chat gpt so that's yeah now you just have GPT, <laughs> yes, exactly. but yeah, so uh, the, the, the for me it's still like um as we are getting closer to to the end of the hour um for me, there is like, uh, if you go back to how do we learn best, right? So for the question that we had, for me, it really depends on the objective that I have with the learning. Another thing that like for, is important for me to share is that I'm extremely selective with my uh, learning because like all of us, like, uh, well, not all, look, everyone watching this and stuff. So we have families, we have work, we have other interests in life and stuff. So there is not m many hours that we can dedicate to learning, right? So so I, I tend to be quite selective and very diligent in, in what I learn and when I learn and how I learn. There are things that I, I really have pleasure learning. So there's I have absolutely no other motive except curiosity to learn certain things. So... For example, as I mentioned, I, I sometimes like to learn about the space and, and planets and stuff like that. So I love that, that Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? So then he has a, a YouTube series called uh, Star Talk. Yeah, so which I follow, I, I tend. So I learn a lot of stuff in there. There is another guy on Facebook that talks about Action Lab, it's called. It's, he just does very, very basic experiments uh, on physics and stuff like that. Again, I have absolutely no utility for that knowledge currently in my work. And, and so, but I love learning that. So for me, that's a pleasure. So how do I learn best that kind of content? I treat it as an entertainment. So for me, it's pure entertainment. I, every now and again, a video comes, I watch it. I learn some stuff. I don't need to memorize or remember, but I like learning about that stuff. It's entertainment. So I just watch some videos. There are other content that I really want to be an expert. And for those kind of contents, I go deep. I'll read every single book. I'll try to figure out who are the experts in the in that field. And I will read everything that they 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 publish. And I will try to create on top as well. There are many things that we need to do for work and we need to solve problems and stuff. Then I become superficial. I go and try to widen my horizon with superficial stuff. So I learned the way that I learn best depends on what I want to do with that knowledge. And then I will have completely different methods uh, for, for that. And the fields that I really want to become an expert myself, then I, I do a lot of self, I, I don't even know how to call it, but like I like time alone to think deeply about that. For example, a very quick example, uh, Early this morning, I was having a meeting internally with some students people. No, it was yesterday, in fact. And we were talking about, well, we structured monoliths and taking monoliths to microservices or just structuring the monoliths. And, and we were discussing techniques to do that. And one of the things that I was asked, like, what are the different types of monoliths? Because we cannot just create techniques to, to break monoliths apart. If we treat every monolith the same, and they are not the same, and all of a sudden we start going into depth of what kinds of monoliths are there, what, what kind of shapes do they have? 
And this is, for example, not an easy information that you're just going to Google and find it or read a book. And this is when you start getting your knowledge and really going deeper, really doing an introspection, start understanding what are the different kinds, what kind of techniques would apply in different contexts and stuff like that. And this is a completely different types of learning, but I would have a completely different technique for that. This so this is um, actually uh, Richard Sennett um, has a book called Together, and he talks about it in depth, which is he talks about uh, debate as a mechanism for learning. And in fact, he talks about the British culture and how we are so kind of beat around the bush and have so many etiquettes and so on, because Actually, a lot of these are uh, mechanisms built to create debate, avoiding uh, emotions and conflicts because debate can create knowledge. And how when you are having certain kind of debates, you're either just trying to prove someone wrong or you're trying to build upon the collective knowledge. And I don't know if it's dialectical or dialogical. I don't know which term he uses for that debate exactly, is how you you discuss, and as you're discussing, just like we are, for example, that suddenly new sparks are alight, and those sparks can create new fires. And as long as you nurture them, and then you kind of really look after them and start building on, on that, you can actually start creating new knowledge. Because often, you know, reflection, one, you know, there is the reflection within your own mind, and that's in, in itself very important, but it is limited. It is limited to your perspective. But then when you add that to other people reflecting through their perspectives on the same thing together, you kind of multiply this, uh, these chances of creating new sparks. Yeah, I say that this is the way that you can go beyond your ignorance limit, right? Yeah, so exactly. we are all limited by our own ignorance. Yeah. And the only way to go beyond that is like being able to bounce to like other people. Yeah. yeah. Totally. So maybe we're getting... Oh, yeah, no, we're already on. wrapping up. So so I don't know if that those were your final words, Mesh. That, that, those were mine before. Uh, but I don't yeah, know. I would, yeah, that's a good final words. I would, <laughs> yeah, I would, uh, I would take that. <laughs> now, uh, okay, so then as, as my final words, I would definitely encourage people to uh, to go to the source. A lot of the times, you know, there's a lot of padding in the stuff that you want to read. Uh, and if you're reading it for fun or whatever, and you have the time, that's, that's great. Uh, but there's a lot that happens as well in there, like the Chinese whispered kind of thing, like somebody read an article and then they interpreted it as something else that was not what, they meant and so on and so forth. So overall, I would say try to go to the source, you know, read the papers or watch people who, who summarize the papers and uh, that will speed up a lot the, the learning and you can always go and expand more on that. And I definitely recommend, you know, if you're to management, leadership, business, etc., Harvard Business Review, MIT Sloan School of Business, uh, there's a bunch that you can just you know subscribe to if you can or you know uh, go to a library or whatever right and uh and get your hands on it because it's really really helpful 
Cool. And, and then, like, uh, just to wrap up, like, one thing that we didn't mention, I just want to mention that is an important point for me, is surround yourself by people that also like to learn, right? So either through uh, friends, uh, communities, uh, companies you work for, but, like, there is a, a good element of, for example, just, just being here with Mash and Jose, for example, it, it excites me because I know that they are people that like to learn. So is this kind of environment that you have, that the people that you surround yourself with, helps you also to be motivated. That you have you need to have your own self-motivation, but it also is even better when you are in an environment where most people that you interact with also have that kind of drive to learn and stuff. So this is is quite exciting. As you're well. learning together kind of like if because if I'm learning, you're learning and we're all sharing what we're learning. We just yeah. do it faster, right? Like it doesn't matter if I got it all the way I'm still getting some of that, no? So it's um, a multiple. Exactly. It's this, it's this community of professionals that we talk in software craftsmanship that is quite important, right? So, uh, well, thank you, everyone. So if you like this channel, as uh, this chat, as always, like subscribe to, to our channel, uh, put the thumbs up in that. It helps uh, the video to be promoted to other people as well. And thank you all uh, on the, the chat as well for your contributions. Uh, it's always enrich our discussions. And I see you next time. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Take care.